The following program is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N Pets.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend. Here is the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. On the other end of that phone, Judy, she's screening your calls for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Villani. <laughs> Lady bug the studio. Stunt dog. Yes, she gets... Lots I think calls. She, more calls than uh, the doctor gets. Pretty pretty sure about that. I think she actually uses this phone line as her own personal <laughs> toll free uh, phone line. She's a smart dog. I thought I yes. thought I'd seen her on the phone. Uh, but uh, anyway, one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach us here at Animal Radio. In just a few minutes, Doc Halligan is going to be on. She's going to tell you what to do with that cat poop. What not to do with mm-hmm. it? What to do with it and what not to do with it? <laughs> yeah. she'll, she'll, tell, she'll tell us what okay. to do with it too. Because you know, a lot of people they uh, they take that cat poop right out of the litter and they flush it down the toilet. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, I know. I don't do that because it would plug up my toilets. But apparently, there's more reasons why you shouldn't do that. I bet you could even really? guess. Well, yeah, it's the same reason that you shouldn't flush your narcotics down the toilet. You're poisoning a water, water supply. supply. So, but she'll she'll explain that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, we got this guy who's uh, Doctor Stephen Katz. I shouldn't say guy. Very well known doctor. He has a brand new treat. It's a cannabis-based treat for your animals, and I'm a little concerned. It's actually a therapy. It's not just treats. It's yeah. supposed to actually, it's therapeutic. There's things that's supposed to be doing for their joints and for itching, and it's not just. But I thought treat. you shouldn't give pot to your animals. I don't know. I, there's a lot of studies out. I, I'm not sure anymore. Well, we'll Is he find- handing out samples? <laughs> I don't know if he's handing <laughs> out samples. Edibles? Jeez. I'm just wondering. I'm, listen, I'm just well, asking. I understand, because anything that I uh, feed my animals, I want to try first. I do That's try right. first. You know I try every cat food and every dog food that, that my animals eat. That's why your breath smells so bad. It yeah, smells fishy. It, it, <laughs> and sometimes venison-y. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we digress. And uh, what what are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Hey, we know why Ladybug is costing you guys money with her expensive habit of talking on the phone. Uh-oh. Um, I'm going to tell you about a dog who went out to go potty and came back $1,000 richer. Wow. That never yeah, happens so she's to making me. making money. <laughs> okay, that's I've been going to the restroom all day. <laughs> <laughs> nothing I happened. still do, but nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> Oh, you have to stick around to find out how that story ends right here on Animal Radio. Okay, are we ready to go to the phones? Let's do it. Well, hey, Robert. Hey, hello. How are you doing? Pretty good. How can we help you today? I got the entire Dream Team here. <laughs> well, I just recently acquired a uh, six-month-old Great Dane puppy, and we took her in for her checkup, and everything looked good except for she was diagnosed with entropion in the left lower lid. Okay. And it was pretty, and I noticed there was a lot of drainage before I went in, so I had asked about it. He said, yeah, that's that what happens is the little hairs are poking her in the eye and irritating the eye. He said, uh, he was, you could tell it was, it was uh, very uncomfortable for her. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of drainage and she was always pawing at it, rubbing it, and it looked like, 
you know, she had sucked the eyeball back into the socket. And he said, yeah, that dogs can do that, and they do that to protect the eye. Mm-hmm. So he suggested, he said, you know, it looks like it's really bothering her. And he said, you know, she we're going to spade her in two weeks. He said, we could probably go ahead and fix the eyelid at that time. So then the the, the guy that bred the dog asked if he could we could bring the puppy into his vet. So we did. And that vet said, oh, that dog's way too young to do the surgery. That I wouldn't recommend it at this point. She said, there's ointments and, you know, tear stuff that you can put in it to keep the dog comfortable. But, you know, and then, of course, I'm getting a lot of opinions from a lot of different people. I went Mm -hmm. back to my vet and kind of voiced those concerns, and he said, I've done this on dogs that young many times. He said, that's it's always worked. Uh, He said, but if you want to go out and get some other opinions, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But his opinion, the dog would be fine. He's done it before and very successfully. Uh, He said, and then, of course, both of them indicated that some of the problems the dog might have if you don't fix it, is, uh, you know, scratching the cornea or irritating the cornea and ulcers and all kinds of other things that might come down the line. And my honest opinion, I just hate to see her living with this misery. Sure. Doc, tell me what's uh, going there on. Were some, there were some other procedures that they said you might want to try, like tacking or something of that nature. Okay. And I just really right. don't know what to do. So let me bring Hal and everyone else into the loop of things. We're, tra- we're talking about entropion, E-N-T-R-O-P-I-O-N, entropion. So right. what it is is basically it's a, um, a rolling in of the eyelid, which puts hairs, which are normally facing the outside of the body, and rubbing them up against the cornea, the clear part of the eye. And that causes pain because the cornea is not supposed to be touching things. And anyone who gets hair in their eye knows what that feels like. Or if you get a scratch on your All contact right. lens, you know how painful it is. Mm. So um, that is something we don't want dogs to live with, and we do want to surgically repair. So the big question here, and I think the the concern that this this caller has is really what is the what is the best timing for that? And it really depends on a couple factors. Ideally, if the pet is not having distress or active ulcers, we would prefer to wait till the majority of the pet's growth is done. Um, and for a large breed dog, that would be maybe between 10 to 12 months of age. And the, the reason for that is, is that we, we don't want to have to set ourselves up to do two surgeries because it is possible if we correct this now, we may either overcorrect it or undercorrect it. So we want to wait till that full um, head growth is over with and that we know that we've got the eyelids we're going to be dealing with for the rest of her life. So that's the reason we would want to wait. The, the situations where I don't wait is when we actually have uh, an active corneal ulcer because that means that we've got a painful dog that has injury to the cornea, and unless we really make some moves to correct that, um, we're really setting ourselves up for problems. So the question is, in those situations, what do we do? We can um, actually do the corrective surgery where we repair the eyelid um, conformation and put sutures in, or there's what we call tacking. And tacking is historically done on young puppies, so just under a couple months of age, because it's a short-term temporary fix until those dogs can grow into their eyelids. Um, and that's just kind of a temporary suture that's put in the, um, not in the eyelid sections, but more in the haired area. And those just kind of stay there, take away the irritation, the rubbing on the eye, and uh, then we can get to a point where the pet's a little bit older and more grown. So, you know, I'd have to say you're kind of really in that zone there right now. If your pet is having a 
lot of discomfort where the eye is recessed. And that's what that means. It isn't, that means that that eye is in pain uh, when they retract that globe into their eye. So if she's in a lot of discomfort or if she's got an ulcer, you know what, you know, I would, I would embrace um, repairing that at this point. But I think that's between you and your veterinarian that can look at her right now. Yeah. Um, the, the purists that would say, you know, let's put it off until later. If, if everything's going well and we can keep your baby comfortable, that might be the ideal situation for um, things there. Yeah, she, so. does, she does squint a lot and kind of keep it closed. You can, you can kind of look at her and she's got it mostly closed and mm-hmm. squinting and rubbing at it. So you can tell she's in a, a fair amount of discomfort. Yeah. And that's my and, thing is, is I just hate to see her like that for any prolonged period of time. Yeah. And that would be the thing is that, you know, if you repair that right now is knowing, you know, we might not correct it as much as we need to or we might overcorrect it. And if you're OK with that right now, um, then I don't see a reason that you shouldn't have the surgery done um, and making sure right now that we are doing things to help her out. We're giving her pain medication like maybe right. tramadol for the uh, corneal pain that she is on a protective lubricant in the eye or even an antibiotic if necessary. And if we're not right. doing those things, I would certainly do those before I'd make a decision on this. Yeah, we've been using, like, uh, they told us to get that, what is that, artificial tears and stuff to mm-hmm. keep the eye nice and moist uh, in, in the meantime. Um, it's just, you know, so the, the only downside on that is we might have to go in and do a second procedure if it doesn't correct completely or overcorrect yeah. it. We might have to go in and have a second procedure. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't see a downside to that other than the fact that it's going to cost a little more money, so... Right, and nobody wants to have two surgeries. That that would be the other thing. But yeah, if you're more right. worried about addressing her comfort level and fixing it now, then I think she's close well, enough. And, to this and point. I, pref- I prefer to get it before it starts causing a lot of tro- damage to the cornea or anything like that. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, you have your baby's best uh, best uh, needs at heart, so that's uh, that's admirable. And and thank you for rescuing and saving a life. Oh, so now, so your suggestion would be if she's in a lot of discomfort. Go ahead and have the procedure if you're not worried about having a second one down the road. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to hear. I, uh, she goes in to be spaded in two weeks, so I wanted to address this before we got in there. Absolutely. So I appreciate the help. Thanks for your call, right. Robert. Toll-free, 405 Yeah, if you need a second opinion, Dr. Debbie's here to give you a second opinion. And a third opinion. You should hear her. She has opinions all day long. She's a very opinionated, opinionated lady. <laughs> Well, this portion of Animal Radio is written in part by World's Best Cat Litter. May I suggest you ditch your giant boxes of cat litter and switch to the concentrated power of World's Best Cat Litter. It delivers big performance in a small little tiny package. I get mine over at Target, Walmart, and my local grocery store. Thanks, World's Best, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. Well, hello, Margie. How are you doing? Well, my uh, I have a female Cavalier King Charles. She's seven years old. And uh, she went in and had a test that she had a urinary tract infection. And then the doctor noticed that in the last eight months, she had lost half her weight. She was 26 pounds eight months ago, and she's 13 now. And you didn't notice this? Holy cow. Well, yes, I did, because before that, the visit before, she was very heavy, okay. so we put we put a mixture of diet dog food and regular dog food together, so she'd lose a little weight. We expected her to lose weight, so which she did, but I didn't expect it to be. Um, That's dramatic. Yeah, up off, she couldn't even jump up on the bed because she was so heavy. 
So okay. we thought we were doing the right thing. The vet even told us she had to lose some weight. So we took a blood test, and she said she has a uh, protein deficiency, and mm-hmm. that that might be the problem of her weight loss. So let's see. So is she having other symptoms as well as anything like diarrhea? Is she vomiting? No, that's exactly what the vet asked, and I was surprised she's not. Did they describe what kind of proteins? Because when we talk about there's total protein and then there's albumin and globulin, when we interpret those, it's important to know what types of proteins are abnormal. Oh, no, she didn't tell us. Okay. All right. So let's talk about proteins. So I doubt that we could call what she has a protein deficiency. She has hypoproteinemia, which means she has low levels of proteins in her blood. So the, the, the thing we have to really look at is what's causing that. And there are a whole big categories of reasons why uh, a dog or cat's protein levels will be low in their body. Um, we may have problems with, say, kidney disease, where we lose protein in the urine. We can have problems with liver disease where they don't produce enough protein. Um, there can be intestinal disorders where they leak protein into their intestinal tract or even problems like um, Addison's disease, which is a hormone-type problem. So those are some of the kind of big categories. The thing that I would be really curious to know on your dog's particular situation is if those albumin and globulin, the two categories of protein, if they're both low. If they are both low and she's been losing weight, then that really kind of scooches me into that one category of intestinal disease. So even though a pet doesn't have vomiting, doesn't have diarrhea, and may or may not even have weight loss, there could still be significant intestinal disease going on um, that we could be leaking proteins into the intestinal tract. The fact that your dog is dropping a lot of weight, yeah, I'd say that's a that's a, a definite a big indicator to me that there may be something going on there. So the quick answer is this needs more investigation. Um, So there's not necessarily a single diet that's going to be appropriate to treat that. But there are a whole category of what we call protein-losing enteropathies that do benefit from low-fat diets. And what that does is it basically helps um, the, the body to retain protein in the intestinal tract. So instead of leaking that out, they can retain their own protein. But there's other causes of, you know, why they would leak protein besides what we call PLE or protein-losing enteropathy. So there can be other secondary problems. So cancer can still be on the table here. So we do have to kind of consider that. Um, Inflammatory bowel disease can cause some secondary um, protein-losing issues in the intestinal tract as well. So that's why I say, you know, you need to have this followed up a little bit further with some other types of testing, whether that's... um, endoscopy with biopsies, or there's some fecal tests that we can do to test for some different enzymes. You know, in the short term, you know, I don't know that in two weeks a diet change is necessarily going to fix things. Um, but if you were looking at making strategies, I would look at low-fat diets. Either there's great veterinary um, prescription diets for that purpose or kind of what we call the white diets, which are um, white meat and uh, like white rice or cottage cheese and white rice. Those tend to be oh. very um, low in fat and uh, still good digestibility. Yeah, right now she's just on... We moved her from the, obviously, the diet food. We took her off that, and we put her on mm-hmm. um, Little Caesar, like the chunky food. 
Okay. Well, that's, that's, but maybe that's not, <laughs> not one of my favorites if we're talking about low fat and eating things okay. that are going to be healthy for the gut. But I will tell you that a lot of intestinal problems, um, these protein losing enteropathies are actually, um, some of the, the low fat foods tend to be high in fiber. And that actually can be the wrong strategy for pets that have absorptive problems because okay. the fiber actually can interfere with the body's ability to maintain, um, their own protein levels. What should you be looking for? Well, um, I would be looking Looking for a fat content um, below 20%. So um, most of the commercial foods are really between 20 and 30% um, fat on an energy basis. So we try to go under 20%. Should I just make her chicken and rice? You know, you could, but actually, believe it or not, turkey is a lower fat meat than chicken. So it actually would be my preference. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Turkey and white rice, and that is better than what I'm feeding her now. Yeah, def- definitely better than the Caesar right now. So, but any okay. diet change you do, you got to do slow. Don't go switching things overnight on her. But I sure hope that you guys can get to the bottom of that because that kind of weight loss is so dramatic. That is not the normal weight loss. My best wishes to you and your little one. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Stella and Chewy's believes that selecting the best food is one of the most important decisions an owner could make for their pet. We believe that pets thrive when they're fed the same diet they'd get in the wild. Dogs and cats are carnivores, and meal mixers are a quick and convenient way to mix a little raw nutrition and great taste into their diet. Made from premium raw ingredients like grass-fed meat and cage-free poultry with organic fruits and vegetables, meal mixers help kickstart your kibble. Learn more at StellaAndChewy's.com. You know, like a lot of you, I used to struggle to get to sleep. Of course, that was before I met Mike Lindell and was fit for my pillow. I've never slept so well or felt so rested. That's because my pillow is fit to you, the kind of sleeper you are. You know, if you're a back sleeper or a side sleeper or how big or small you are. My pillow is the pillow with the perfect fit. Then at night I move the patented my pillow fill just to the right place for me, you know, to support my head and to cradle me like, well, you know. Let me tell you, a good night's sleep is a life changer. My pillow doesn't go flat, it doesn't get hot, and I sleep like a baby. Now it's your turn. I have a very special offer for you. Buy one my pillow, and we'll give you one for your partner free. Call 800-867-0058 and use the promo code AW for your free pillow. And start sleeping better right away. Call 800-867-0058 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use the promo code AW for two life-changing pillows for the price of one. Make the call. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Grab your animals, bring them around the radio. We have our animals here. We're very lucky, very blessed to have our animals in the studio and, and working with us. Except for today, Lori, it looks like you're all alone in there in the newsroom. What's yeah, up with a little that? quiet, isn't it? It is quiet, more quiet than usual, <laughs> I've noticed. Yes. Let's see. We're going to head to the phones in just a couple of minutes for your calls for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani. Also got this guy on, and you may have heard about this already. There's a lot of cannabis treats 
available now for your animals. These are made from derivatives of marijuana, and there's many brands on the market. There's this one guy, he's a doctor, I believe he's a doctor, um, yeah, Dr. Stephen Katz. We may have even spoken to him before. I think we have. He's, uh, he's behind a brand new uh, cannabis treat, and I'll be real honest with you, I'm a little anxious about it, a little nervous about it. I'm not sure this yeah, is... Yeah, I thought all the research said that you're not supposed to give dogs cannabis. That's, yeah, that's I'm exactly not, what I thought. There's not enough research done for me yet to, to give my dog that. Well, we're going to ask the doctor what he knows. Okay. And that's right around the corner in just a couple of minutes. Uh, what are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Well, I found this incredible study that just came out and a very reliable source, too. It was done at Arizona State University. And it is all about how the two words put together, pit, bull negatively impact dogs that are not even a so-called pit bull. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. the way, yeah, it's breed bias. We'll tell you about it. So if you ever, you know, end up in a shelter and you're looking for a pet and you see one labeled as a pit bull, make sure you tell somebody, no, that's not right, and we'll give you the reasons. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Big cities, major cities like Denver, Colorado, where you could go buy an ounce of pot and a firearm all in about <laughs> six hours. And they're so pet friendly. Right, but you can't have a pit bull there. You can't have a pit bull there. And that's breed discrimination. And, well, you'll tell us all about it in just a few minutes right here on yeah. Animal Radio. Stick around for that. Oh, I wanted to mention that if you can't get through or you, you, you're not near a phone, you can uh, download the Animal Radio app and ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Thanks to those folks over at Doctors Fosters and Smith. Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Learn more at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. This is Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. A new study says that dogs that are labeled as pit bulls sit unadopted far longer at shelters and potential adopters view them as much less attractive than other dogs. The research also proves from the University of Arizona is where they did it, by the way. It proves that the pit bull label very negatively influences a dog's chances of adoption from a shelter. It happens even though many dogs labeled pit bulls, which isn't even a breed, aren't genetically pit bull types at all. The authors of the study, published in the journal PLOS One, concluded that removing breed labels would be best for 
all dogs in shelters for three reasons. Number one, dogs labeled pit bulls spend more than three times longer in a shelter than similar-looking dogs not labeled as pit bulls. Number two, the company a pit bull keeps apparently influences how the dog is perceived. You see, college students were shown photos of each of the same three dogs sitting next to a human, those humans being an elderly woman, a middle-aged woman in a wheelchair, a young boy, a middle-aged kind of classic good-looking athletic man, and a rough-looking man who had tattoos. Survey respondents judged the so-called pit bulls to be friendlier and more adoptable when they were next to the young boy or the elderly woman. And the third reason they say pit bull types at shelters are more likely to be adopted if they're given no breed label. And by the way, that goes for all dogs in shelters as well. Uh, Continuing on this, researchers analyzed more than 17,000 adoption records. They found that 52% of pit bull types were adopted when their supposed breed was listed. But 64% were adopted when the shelter did not use any breed labels at all. By the way, other breeds were also adopted at much higher rates, and they say Mastiff adoptions went up 15% when no breed labels were used. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, we welcome to the airwaves Dr. Doug Green. He's a psychotherapist specializing in helping kids and teens. Doc, welcome to the show. Hey, Hal. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Very good. You know, I'm looking at your brand new book. It's called The Teachings of Sherelle, and I like this subtitle, Life Lessons from a Divine Knucklehead. And uh, first of all, who was Sherelle, and why was Sherelle a knucklehead? Uh, she was born that way, I think. But uh, <laughs> but I should I should throw in there first, just for false advertising. I'm I'm not actually a doctor. I am a therapist, but not an actual doctor. But I have a private practice in L.A. and I'm I'm here because because of this dog, because of Sherelle. And she wasn't the smartest dog I ever knew, or the noblest, or purest breed, anything like that. She was kind of a dope a lot of the time, <laughs> but she was the greatest teacher of timeless wisdom that I ever knew. She taught you some lessons. She taught me a lot of lessons. She uh, was in a pound when I first met her. She was just this puppy in a cage, 
and there was no card on the cage for her, labeling anything about her. And I turned to one of the employees of the pound and said, can you tell me anything about this this puppy? And he said, oh, oh, that's Kelly's dog. Hey, Kelly, somebody wants to buy Knucklehead. (laughs) And the deal was that this puppy had been, this was a very overcrowded pound. They had, uh, they wouldn't keep dogs more than four days. Mm -hmm. And she had been there five days and developed a reputation. And I'm saying there were, there had to be a thousand dogs in there. And she already had a reputation and a nickname and this one uh, person there had kind of fallen in love with her and stolen the card so that no one could see it and put her down and just to give her a couple more days. And that's how I ended up with her. But she was knucklehead before I ever, ever met the poor thing. Maybe you can give us uh, a tease or a taste of what kind of life lessons we we will learn from Sherelle. Well, you you got, I'll I'll give you an early one. Uh, When she was, I had her maybe two weeks and she was about three months old when I got her. And she, she had done pretty well. She had learned to use the newspapers pretty well, and she was doing okay. But, of course, accidents happen. And uh, one day I walk into my front room, and there she is under the dining room table, peeing on the carpet, on, on the rug. And, and I, I should add here one thing about her, which was weird at this point, was that she had never barked. And otherwise she seemed totally normal. Hmm. But she was she was part husky, and I know a lot of huskies don't bark, and so I thought maybe it was something right. to do with that. Um, I thought you know it'll make her less of a watchdog, but it'll be okay because uh, she'll be quiet and pleasant <laughs> to have around. And anyway, I, I see her under the table, this, and I walk up to her and sternly say no, and she looks around and starts to bite my leg. <laughs> and I say, no, and she turns around and starts to lick up the urine. And I say, no, and she starts to bite the table leg. And I say, no, and she starts to lick up where I'm mopping up the urine. And I say, no, and she bites my hand. And I say, no, and she turns at me and looks at me with this rage in her eyes, just furious frustration. And out of her comes this sound. And it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I... Picked her up and just started, you know, kissing her face and kissing those. Like, I'm sorry. I know this is tough. At that time, what it hit me about that was that's the moment I fell in love with this dog. But years later, it struck me that really there was a profound moment there because she, as she grew older, developed the ugliest bark I've ever heard out of any dog. This horrible (laughs) sound. Just awful. And she never once hesitated to bark. She had learned early on that her voice, which, you know, her first expression with her voice was obscenities at me, <laughs> and her voice was loved and lovable. And in my work, in my uh, psychotherapy practice, what I find is so often uh, people learn the opposite. And they either their parents will teach them, uh, oh, anything you do is fine, don't worry about it, and then they're screwed up for life. <laughs> or, <laughs> or uh, you know, how dare you say such things, you're horrible. And what she got is, don't pee under the, t- no, don't pee inside the house, don't bite the table, don't bite me, <laughs> and your voice is really treasured. And so she grew up with this belief in herself, this okayness, this you know, lack of shame that we're, we suffer so much from, that was just an incredible 
fountain for me of, mm. of goodness and lessons. You know, these animals, they, they live in the present. They don't, uh, they don't have a past. They don't have a future. And that, I think, is one of the biggest lessons that we could really learn, huh? Yeah. They live in the moment. Knowing what they've learned, they live in the moment. And that is so spectacular. And, uh, you know, we, we, we work so hard in it. We do our mindfulness and meditation, all that. They just have it. You know, they, they have it courtesy of having smaller brains. And it, <laughs> it gives them such a, a joy in life. I, I find, you know, the example I love to give to people is when you walk out the door first thing in the morning, what, what do you do first? And my take is usually, you run up the door, you slam it, you lock it, you run to your car because you're running late to work, you're cussing out something, you realize you've forgotten something, you run back inside, grab that, sit back in your car, and you're cussing out the drivers that are in your way, and that's it. <laughs> you know me, like, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> intimately, Judy. <Jimmy. laughs> A dog, you open that door, and they're going to run outside and stop and take it all in for just one second. The ears are up, and if we did that, and you just walked out in the morning and said, Wow, what a beautiful day, you know? <laughs> then it changes your whole morning. Now, you still can cuss the drivers out in the way to work because they deserve it. Of course. But, <laughs> but you're in a better place. You're in a more cheerful place for it. The book is called The Teachings of Sherelle, Life Lessons from a Divine Knucklehead, the author, Douglas Green. I have 10 copies to give away right now, toll free at one 866 405 If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon.com or your local bookstore, Douglas Green. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Al. Thanks, Judy. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, five indoor activities to keep your cat from going crazy. Crazy cat people is a term often misused and certainly not something we believe here at Animal Radio. That being said, boredom and neglect can create behaviors in your cat that can certainly create challenges for even the sanest cat person. So do yourself, and more importantly, your cat a favor by creating an indoor environment that enriches and entertains your cat. Here's a few suggestions. Let's start with the indoor places to roam. A cat tree, a cat perch, or a cat mansion will all provide a place where the cats can truly be the kings and queens of their realms. These items have become more stylish, less intrusive, and much more integrated in homes than ever before. The sophistication and innovation have not only benefited cat owners, but the cats themselves. Cats want to be challenged, and they demand stimulation, or their curiosity will certainly get the best of them. Next up is toys. Have a variety of toys for them to play with, and place them in places that encourage them to seek them out and engage their prey sensibilities. Toys that offer interaction and speed are also a great way to engage, encourage, and satisfy their prey instincts Cat toys have also become much more innovative and tech-driven. From home-based camera, treat, and laser units that you can control with your phone while you're away, to toys that move quickly and provide a hunting play experience, technology has given cats and cat parents more to do than ever before. Next is the reality that anything is a toy for a cat. An empty box, an empty bowl, an empty shopping bag, all of those are toys, and anything in your home should be considered accessible for a cat. Any cat parent knows that a cat can find joy and adventure in places and things that most of us wouldn't find interesting. It doesn't have to be high-tech or costly to entertain your cat. You know your cat, and you know what they love to get into. Instead of getting upset, 
give them an alternative to play with and engage in that behavior. That also brings up training your cat. Yes, it's possible, and many cats will excel at it if you're willing to put in the time and have a little bit of patience. Cats are extremely intelligent, and they love to learn, thus their intense curiosity. Indulge it and train the behaviors you want. That'll certainly create a less chaotic and less crazy cat home. Finally, your cat wants to be outdoors. If you have the space, consider an enclosed outdoor area that will allow your cat outside time that is safe for them and other outdoor creatures. If not, consider dedicating at least one window to being a cat refuge where they can look outside and enjoy the beauty of nature from the safety of the indoors. Share your ideas on indoor engagement for cats on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. She was shot, dragged by a dog, hung upside down, and then left in the household refrigerator for two days. But a duck now named Perky seems to have come back to life. A hunter's wife in Florida got an unusual greeting when she opened up her refrigerator door. A duck that her husband had shot two days earlier lifted up her head. She called her daughter, who took the duck to the vet. Perky the duck had suffered a broken leg and a broken wing, but was given to the Goose Creek Wildlife Sanctuary, where she'll live out her life in a sort of duck paradise. Now that's one lucky duck. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Are people too. Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio, baby. Did you know? Did you know? Animal Radio is underwritten by Stella and Chewy. You know, pets thrive when they're fed the same food they'd get in the wild, and meal mixers are an easy, convenient way to add raw, nutrient rich meat, wholesome fruits, vegetables, probiotics, and antioxidants to your dog's diet. Learn more at Stella and Chewy's. Dot com. Thanks, Stella and Chewies, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. What? Uh, which one are we going to? Line two, we have Robert. Hey, Robert. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks a lot. I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. I do. I was listening to the radio, I think, last week. One weekend, I just ran across the station. They were talking about pets, and I have a little small Shih Tzu Pomeranian, and she was having a few problems. So, so what's going on with your baby there? She was scratching just scratching her hind legs to where no more hair in the pack. And I bought some topical stuff. You know, they said for hot spots, and it doesn't seem to work. I was having to use it too much, and then I started thinking that it was going to be toxic for her to scratch and have that in her mouth. So um, I'm going to be moving where I live now. There's carpet, and I had a cat, but she passed away. She was indoor, kind of outdoor, and Cheetah, the dog, is primarily indoors. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's the fleas in the carpet. I do take her to the groomer once a month at least, and they give her the flea bath, and I do get the advantage. And at this point, I don't even know if the advantage is working. Okay. So I just want to know because I just hate to see her suffer. Yeah, definitely. And if she's got areas where she's actually getting bald and we're starting to see skin showing through, then for me that says that the itch is significant enough. We need to kind of maybe up the ante here a little bit as far as trying some more things. And and I definitely would look, number one, at flea control and make sure all of our efforts are as um, as thorough as we can. So a flea bath is great. That will help to kill those critters that are on your pet at the time, but definitely to follow up with that topical product at home. Now, the other 
reality is if you have a cat going inside and outside, you know, we can have a lot of opportunity for reinfestation. So your efforts could really be um, second-guessed by that kitty's activity. So let's make sure that cat is treated as well with an appropriate cat product. I have a flea collar on her all the time. And uh-huh. like I said, I'll put the advantage, but I just, to me, putting the advantage by her neck is like, how does it take care of the whole dog? Well, it, basically, it gets distributed into the glands in the skin, um, and then that way it's distributed to the, the pet kind of systemically. Um, however, the the thing I think is that, you know, I don't know that our efforts are necessarily wrong in what you're doing, but I just want to make sure that we're still encompassing environmental control as well. Um, so if you do have a critter that's going inside and outside, even if you're treating your doggy as thoroughly as you can, we got to make sure that the environment is treated. So that may mean that we need to do some treatments inside the home um, and to that kitty as well. So I think that might be really where I'd say our efforts we would need to go. And, you know, definitely if we've been on a product and we're not seeing response after several months, then, you know, I might look at another one. Um, but for me, I think there's a lot of opportunity here with uh, your household and the behavior of the animal that we could really work more on the environment. So even though you've got a new... I'm sorry, I bought the carpet flea treatment. So once I moved in here, I I wanted to change my attitude about when it comes to cheetah. So I do Mm -hmm. treat the carpets in the two rooms that have carpet. Good. So I'm happy with that then. And maybe that is what is making the difference here in, in improving your pet's uh, comfort there. Now, if for, you know, let's play devil's advocate here. And if the itching continues and we see continued hair loss, even though you've, you've got this move and these changes, then I might start looking for things along the allergy line. And so we might look at getting into some antihistamines to help control itch, maybe a fatty acid supplement that can help kind of restore the natural luster to the hair. Um, and then as far as the topical, I'm not sure what products you're using, what ingredients are in there, but um, sometimes we can find things that have uh, topical steroids that have nice anti-itch relief. But other times, really, we, we don't want to hit these pets with a lot of irritating substances and a lot of different drugs on their skin surface. We may want to use something very soothing that may be more colloidal oatmeal-based. So that might be even a, another direction. If the itch isn't quite bad and we think we've got the fleas under control, that you look for something that's got kind of more that natural oatmeal base, um, and that might give her some good relief there. Well, how would I know if, it's, if she's allergic to the food? Oh, yeah, someone told fun. me that she might be allergic to her food, and right now I'm giving her, I believe, it's proactive. Something mm-hmm. with lamb. I don't know. I was giving her beautiful before we stopped. No, this is Imes. I'm giving her Imes now. For allergies, there are definitely inhalant allergies, you know, things that are in the environment the pet is, you know, exposed to, and then there's the food allergies. Food allergies are very difficult to prove. Um, the way that we figure that out is we actually put the pet on a hypoallergenic diet trial. So that's not necessarily saying I'm going to pick a different brand of food because that's the wrong approach. It's not necessarily food brand that is bad. It's food components or the ingredients. So right. with that, um, you know, we can talk about trying a hypoallergenic diet. There's oodles out there and we could probably have a conversation about 35, 45 minutes about how we approach a food allergy. But the, the big thing is I talked to your veterinarian about um, that possibility and if that is something we need to get into. For me, if I have an itchy pet, we've got good flea control, and especially if this is a young doggy, maybe six months to a year and a half. I really look at food allergies seriously. And if someone tells me they've tried a hypoallergenic diet and it didn't work, I say, we'll try another. Because no pet follows the rules on which food is going to work for one pet 
versus your neighbor's pet. So you do right. sometimes have to bop around a couple different um, foods. So um, so hopefully, you know, that might be even something to look into for your youngin because you said she's about uh, two years there about. So yeah. give that a whirl. And you know, I think we got you've got a lot of good direction there with you know, the flea control and getting this baby set in the right environment. So good luck with her, and uh, hopefully that skin stays under control. And uh, give a little cheetah pat on the head for me. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. We're here waiting for your call at 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, here is the number. It is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, as well as, I believe, directly from our website at animalradio.com. And uh, the phones are ringing White hot today. There's a lot of controversy about pot for pets, whether or not they should have it for therapy, for medicinal purposes. And there's some brand new products on the market that includes uh, derivatives of marijuana. We'll be talking to Dr. Katz. Is that his name? Yes, really? it is. Dr. Stephen Katz. Okay, he'll be on. Your name named Dr. Katz. What I do you it. know? <laughs> uh, I think he's going to be talking about dogs, though. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? The palatial uh, animal radio newsroom. <laughs> Yeah, it just echoes with dog barking in the yeah. background. Um, we're going to talk about uh, this one couple who has just, uh, they're heartbroken because they've lost their dog, oh. uh, Jack Russell. And they have done some really outlandish things almost trying to get their dog back trying to, you know, get leads and find the dog again. So we're going to tell you what they've tried. You know, it's expensive things and if they've worked. Okay, that's on the way. I'd spend just about as much as I could to, to yep. find my animal yeah. if I got lost. Oh, so we'll yeah. find out what they did. I understand some pretty crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's uh, go to the phones for your calls. one 405 8405 for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Villani. Well, hello, Anna. How are you doing? I'm very good. And how about you, sir? Very good, thank you. You have such a cheery voice. Where are you calling from today? Los Angeles, California. Oh, well, that explains why you have such a cheery voice. <laughs> I'm trying to be che- cheery, but uh, deep inside it's not because of my dog. Oh, what's going on with your dog? Tell us. Okay, so uh, my dog is uh, 15 years old and six months. He was born in November 2000 in Japan, and uh, we had a wonderful bonding, and... Uh, that was two years ago, my dog starts to have his thyroid as per my, uh, as per my, um, vet. Then, uh, he told me that, uh, JJ is suffering from that kind of, uh, thickness, the thyroid one. Then, um, well, it comes to that point, it's, uh, I felt that it's getting worse, and, uh, he has his cataract, he has his uh, arthritis, and um, he is limping sometimes. He is overweight and, I guess, 22 to 24 pounds. And um, 
Uh, sometimes and uh, lately, that was two weeks ago, start two weeks ago, coughing nonstop during the evening and and uh, something on his uh, last cough, uh, you know, a big, uh, a big uh, abrupt from the cough, the last mm-hmm. one. Okay. So I said to myself and asked opinions from my uh, from my other uh, colleagues and my friends. Why don't you let? Why are you letting him suffer? And he mm-hmm. is already fifteen years old and six months. And you would you like to have that kind of suffering with him? So sometimes my first time to have a dog and I don't want I don't want yeah. to lose him because we had a great time together. We live in Japan. We live in Canada and right now in the United States and I feel so guilty. It's like those kind of feeling I have right now. It's I don't want to lose him, but okay. I should because I don't. I love him because I don't want to suffer. So that's uh-huh. why a continuous medication just to lean him up. Sure. And Anna, I got to ask you, um, you, you say what your, your friends and your colleagues have said. Have you talked to your veterinarian? Has, has your dog been in for that cough? And, and did they give you an, an assessment and, and a recommendation on what they thought was going on? No, not yet, but I haven't okay. scheduled this coming Friday okay. to the vet right. because okay. the vet told me it's he has his thyroid already so he have his medication and everything then okay. something happened that i felt i thought it's only a um, it's only a candle cup but it's not so it's okay. getting worse well, so okay I, so i'm gonna and i'm gonna tell you a couple things here so you mentioned off a list of a lot of medical conditions that are you know acquired throughout a dog's life, just like through people's lives. Yeah, you know, having know, cataracts and having having cataracts and having a thyroid problem and having arthritis is um, those are those are conditions and those can be treated effectively with medication. So those by themselves aren't really reasons that I would say, oh my goodness, you're being cruel, you know, that you need to put him down because of those conditions. But I do think, you know, this coughing is something significant that needs to be looked at. Yeah. Because in a, in a dog of his age, there can be some serious problems that can cause that. Some of those we can in, intervene with and help. And I do think time is a bit of the essence here in an older pet. Yeah. If we have, you know, signs That's of say congestive. His schedule is coming Friday to find yeah. out and what is it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna seek advice from the vet too. So what will be the best thing? So exactly, exactly. And he got his cataract and. Uh, he cannot hear anymore. So yeah. I felt that my dog is not happy already. And sometimes I put him on my arms and sleep together. He just mm-hmm. keeps on tearing at me, even though this is nice, smelling at me and put his paws on my chest. Right. So I'm just right. only a human being that I cannot, I cannot let him go. But sometimes right. I pity him when I feel him some. He cannot breathe sometimes because of the coughing. 
Right. So it, it is so difficult, I think, because when our pets are in these conditions or having difficulty with medical problems, you know, I think our instinct is we want to know what would I want if I was in that situation. And, and our, our pets can't always answer, answer for themselves in a verbal way, but we do need to look at some of the things that they do from time to time and, and what are their everyday activities. So for myself, um, I've, de- I've counseled a lot of clients um, and pet owners through this type of process and deciding when is it time to let go. When have we tried everything we can and we don't have a quality of life? And I've gone through this myself with my own pets as well. And it is a difficult process, but the things I think there's basically kind of four criteria that I look at. And they're basic things. You know, you know, is a pet continent? Are they mobile? Are they eating and are they kind of enjoying the quality of life? Do they retain what they used to do? So a lot of those things we can help. You know, I had an older dog that pooped in the house. I cleaned up after him. I provided areas where it was sanitary, where if he did mess, that I could keep it clean and away from the rest of the home. You know, I had a pet that couldn't walk well, so we assisted her outside. Um, we had tools to kind of help her get around. And those kind of things you can manage, but certain things like um, a lack of an appetite or losing kind of their joie de vivre, you know, their interest in doing what they used to enjoy. If your dog has enjoyed playing ball or watching the mailman come to the door or getting belly scratches, those are the kind of things, the subtle things that we really need to take into consideration when we get to the end of life discussion to really look at it, everything as a whole because we can try to support those medical failures, the pets not getting around, you know, anti-vomiting medicines, appetite stimulants. But if we don't have what used to make your dog your dog and the joyful bond that I can tell that you, you've had through these years, then that's really more so than when I have other people telling me it's time to put a dog to sleep. But that's when people say you you will know. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the middle of decision right now. If I'm gonna mm-hmm. let him go, but it's painful. I cannot. It I is. can't do it. So we're leaving. We're leaving this next week, going to Canada because so that my parents will saw him as last gloves before he loses and everything. So I don't know yet. So it's still hanging on there. So I just need only mm-hmm. my, uh, just, of course, when I hear your radio station, I said to myself, maybe I'm going to give a try so that I can be calm too as well. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why I'm just going to get this kind of opportunity. And thank you very much for okay, listening well. to me. Absolutely. My thoughts go out to you and your, your baby. And definitely, this is where a veterinary professional really can help you kind of fill in those blanks when it comes to what we can or can't do from here forward. That's why, for me, I don't know yet if I'm going to yeah. let yeah. him sleep or not, because my feeling is that go, no, go, no, something like that. Because I know that my dog is just like putting his paws on my chest, and I know he cannot see, but smelling on me. I don't know mm-hmm. what is it all about. So, I don't know. I feel guilty. I just felt so guilty about it. No, you shouldn't. I mean, this the end of life decisions for pets. I mean, that's how you you really showed your love. It, it really is. I firmly believe that they've your pets have given us so much through their lifespans. It is the final way we can give that back. Yeah. And, the uh, bottom line is, I, I, he's no 
she's no longer dancing anymore, standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. I felt that he's no. He's not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's why I pity him. Oh. Well, yeah, now all of us are putting our arms yep. around the, the the radio right now, and we are just giving you a big hug, and we're with you. Um, as fellow pet lovers, we know what you're going through, and uh, we're thinking of you. And our heart is heavy for you. I hope the vet uh, will shed some information uh, and let you know exactly what the status is of, of your dog. And I thank you so much for calling today. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. I am the family dog. And it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. No matter what kind of allergy day you're having... Relief can be yours with Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour. Its prescription-strength medicine effectively relieves your worst nasal allergy symptoms, including congestion, for 24 hours. <sighs> Nasacort has no harsh taste, is non-drowsy and non-addictive. Unlike Flonase, Nasacort is scent and alcohol-free. For effective nasal allergy relief, choose Nasacort. It's guaranteed relief or your money back. Details at Nasacort.com. Use as directed. At GEICO, we've been innovating car insurance for over 75 years with forward-thinking ideas like online quotes and the GEICO mobile app. And to prove it, we'll play one of our first radio commercials from 75 years ago. By Jiminy, GEICO could save you money on your car insurance, which is what we'll be doing over 75 years from now. Who knows? Maybe with some sort of application that's accessible on a futuristic handheld device. We'll call them online quotes. See? Forward-thinking. GEICO, saving people money for over 75 years. Hey everybody, this is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band. Just want to tell everybody out there on Animal Radio, thanks for loving your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Here is the toll-free number. 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Thanks to those folks over at Doctors Fosters and Smith. It's a free download. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you where to put your cat poop. Because apparently there are some people that are putting their cat poop in the wrong place. 
Is yeah. it just cat poop? Because, you know, dogs poop too. Well, in this particular case, I think we're talking, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're talking about kitty litter. And I think people are taking it and they're putting it down their toilet. There are some other animals that use litter. Okay, so if you have any one of these animals that uses litter, you want to be listening up, especially if you're dumping it down the toilet, because there's more things that uh, could go wrong than plumbing problems. And uh, we'll find out about that in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, Dr. Stephen Katz will be joining us. Part of the proliferation of cannabis treats and hemp treats. Therapy. Therapy. You They're say not, therapy? Yes. He doesn't, he's not calling them treats. It's not just a treat. It's, it's a therapy. It's, it's like a, a medicine? Yes, yes. Okay. There's therapeutic benefits from... For your product. dog? Yes. Or cat? Or is it just dog? I think it's just dog. Okay, we'll find out in just a few minutes. He's going to tell us why you should be feeding your animals this marijuana derivative and what what it's good for. I always thought that uh, pot was dangerous for the animals, so I'm going to ask him. That's going to be my first question mm-hmm. or my second question because I have a list Are of you questions. Too? I, <laughs> do you have the munchies out? I, so, <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on yeah, over there? I noticed there are no animals in your studio today. What's up with that? Oh, you're wrong. Parker did sneak in a Parker's little while in there? ago, but he, yeah, he's sleeping. He's usually rubbing his head on the microphone, but he is sleeping now. Um, we're going to find out. You know, it is incredibly more and more often people are saying, you know, you're you're feeling guilty if you take your dog for a ride in the car and they're not secured somehow with a restraint. Now they're saying that. You know, some of these restraints, ah, not so good. Mm. So we'll tell you really what the bottom line is on that and some of the things you need to look for. I'm always thinking about our animals and if they should be restrained and what kind of restraint to get for them. Because, you know, if I came right. to a sudden stop, they'd be a projectile. They'd yes, go flying right. through the... When we grew up, we didn't have... We didn't wear... You know, we rode in the back of pickup trucks. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't wear seatbelts. And now that's totally changed. And it, you never even see dogs, really, in the back of trucks anymore. So it's it's a different world. You know, I've used a seatbelt for Boss and it really? saved him from getting you know, throttled into the um, you know a short stop that I did. And he could have hit the dashboard. Um, it's certainly not probably the best um, uh, seatbelt out there. But it was something and it served its purpose... And I was really glad to have it. At now, the was time. it designed for animals and for dogs? The seatbelt, yeah, yeah. So it's a, a harness um, that fits into the seatbelt assembly, and uh, you know, it, you know, high impact. I don't know how great it would have been, yes. but this this kind of small, like almost near fender bender, it really did save him from getting scared, getting hurt. And um, you know, I think we really need to push for more study and uh, definitely. Yeah, you know, you always say something is better than nothing, but I think there actually are some products that could really be harmful in an accident. Mm-hmm. This is what Lori's going to be talking about in just a few minutes because right. if you have a seatbelt for your animals, no matter where you got it or what brand it is or how safe you think it is, it is important that you hear what Lori has to say because it's some revealing news about your brand of uh, seatbelt guaranteed on the way. So much for quiet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to go to the phones, doctor? Let's do that. Toll yes, free. please. 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. What's going on? Well, we got our little girl, Joey. She's, uh, she'll be seven years Joey? old in a couple of months. And, uh, she's a long-haired gray domestic. And, uh, lately she's been, you know, fur balls come up once in a while. But lately she's not chewing her food up. We've got her on, uh, Purina Indoor Formula. She's an indoor cat. And, uh, she always comes out of good health with all her checkups and everything. But she's not chewing it up this it's shaped like little M&Ms, and, and they'll come out whole. 
you know, and mm, we're, okay. and we're wondering what, what we can feed her, switch her to. Is she, you said she's been checked out by the veterinarian. Did they, did she go to the vet recently? Uh, yeah, for her annual checkup. Okay. Cause for me, when I hear that Kitty is kind of vomiting up the food, um, the first thing is she's eating it, but she's just not really chewing it. She's just swallowing it as it is. Right? Right. Okay. Right. So now there are di- some different shape distinctions cats have, and uh, food manufacturers for dries, you know, they try to figure out the right shape that is most appealing. The truth is that some cats don't really chew all the shapes the same, and some will just really gulp it. And this is why some cats with no teeth can effectively eat dry food, um, because they don't always really spend a lot of time uh, masticating it, if you will. Um, sure. But if your kitty is vomiting, I'd say, you know, this diet may not be a bad diet, but it certainly would be something I would consider changing. The first thing I always start with with a kitty that's vomiting a food is, you know, it's reasonable to try a diet change, sometimes going towards more of a hypoallergenic variety um, rather than just saying I'm going to brand B, C, or D down, you know, the grocery aisle. So with that, you know, I would see your veterinarian, make sure we have a good checkup. We might want to get some basic tests done because in some cases vomiting is really more than just about diet problems. It can be about something else kind of going on inside. Um, so I wouldn't want to miss something of that magnitude and that importance. Um, so that would be my little commercial to, to, to see your vet and have more done than just that physical exam. Because as good as we are, we can't always tell everything by looking. Um, and so we do have to rely on those uh, clues, those tests, if you will. Um, but the the other part of your question is what can you feed? You know, and there's an actually a whole new thought in cat nutrition that's really going out there. And this is totally different than what we learned you know, 10, 20 years ago in vet school. I'm not really that old. I'm just saying, people. <laughs> but um, the new mentality with cat nutrition is that we're actually looking at canned food as a good thing for a couple reasons. Um, we know that uh, it gives cats more opportunity to drink and take in more fluid. Um, and most times, you know, too many of the dry foods are really high in carbohydrates, and we really want a more protein-rich food with a lower carbohydrate content. And that sometimes the canned foods really fit th- fits that really well. And sometimes things like fiber really aren't going to be all that helpful, um, especially if we're having a constipation-type problem in some kitties. So while the hairball formula sounds like a great idea, I think I would probably consider even going to a canned variety, something that has lower fiber, higher in protein, lower in carbohydrates, and gives your kitty more opportunity to drink and see how that goes. Um, but really, I would, I would definitely, if I had your baby here in front of me, I'd probably poke her with a needle, draw some blood, and maybe shoot an X-ray of her belly and making sure there's nothing really awry that shows up on there. How's that for like a whole prescription there, Mark? <laughs> Perfect. I got it all scribbled down. We were kind of thinking maybe a, a canned food would be a better way to go. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. 
Did you hear about the dog that went out to do her business and returned a few moments later as a crime-fighting hero? Miley is a black lab mix, and she will now receive a congratulatory certificate for bringing home a pound of marijuana that started an investigation by the Jones County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office. Here's how it happened. It was just a few weeks ago. Miley left the house on her, you know, routine bathroom outing, and she brought back what appeared at first to the owners to be trash, and she had already torn through the packaging. But on closer inspection, Miley's owner suspected, hmm, you know, this looks kind of funny. It <laughs> might be marijuana. So she contacted authorities. And Miley, by the way, could fetch up to a $1,000 reward for her big fine. Wow, that's a lot of dog bones. $1,000 worth of dog bones? (laughs) It sure is. And a lonely dog from Hendersonville, North Carolina, had little chance of being noticed and rescued from the neglectful life he had been subjected to. But all of that changed thanks to a group of construction workers who were working next door, and they noticed him. The dog's name is Demo, and he was living in a muddy outside pen chained up on the property of a house that was vacant. Now, Demo had no real shelter outside other than a plastic doghouse that was sunk about a foot in some mud. Well, it turns out they found out the owner was in jail and family members occasionally and occasionally stopped by to check on the dog. But all they did literally was toss food into the muddy pen. So just last month, a report on the dog situation went viral and city officials there in Hendersonville were able to persuade the prisoner's elderly father to give up custody of the dog, who is now called Noah. And for Noah, the days being spent alone, shivering in the mud and with no loving human touch are gone forever because he's had several offers of adoption coming in from all over the world. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to chime in or speak to the Dream Team. And uh, over the last few months, we've talked about several different cannabis-based treats that are available for your animals. And uh, this is always curious to me because I always thought, first of all, that the pot was bad for your animals. 
And apparently there's therapeutic values to it as there is with human medicinal marijuana, I guess. It Uh, depends on the extracts, yes. So are there certain extracts that are, are, are different than others? Yes, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, there's some that have more potential for some of the euphoria and the bad signs oh. that we see in a toxicity of dogs. And then those that, which don't have that, but still, you know, have some finding for anti-anxiety benefits or uh, anti-inflammatory benefits. Um, but it, it's a challenging area because, you know, veterinarians can't prescribe marijuana. It's not permitted. Mm, I did so, not know that. Yeah, so until the DEA kind of reclassifies things, um, you can't go to your veterinarian and have them prescribe marijuana for you. Okay, okay, good to know. There's uh, this one brand that just came out, and Dr. Stephen Katz, I believe we've had him on the show before. Doctor, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to be on for the first time. Well, welcome. We're all very curious about your Therabis, which is a cannabinoid. How do you sell it? It's got a form. It's a it's a formula okay. with a hemp powder base that has a, a numerous uh, natural ingredients that also includes the compound known as cannabidiol, otherwise known as CBD, which is a compound, a cannabinoid found in the marijuana plant that has absolutely no psychogenic capability whatsoever. So they don't get high off it? At all. At all. No. Okay. It, the, the, there are right now over 80 different separable cannabinoids, uh, which are compounds found in the cannabis plant. Many of those have great medicinal potential. There is only one, Delta-9 THC, that gets you high. Okay? That is the only one. I am also uh, a New York State Assemblyman and at a, a, an Assembly Health Committee hearing about medical marijuana. There were 20 different people who gave testimony. I expected it to be primarily people with, you know, uh, chronic back pain, uh, uh, cancer patients, pancreatic cancer, uh, people receiving chemotherapy treatments. Excuse me. But aren't they talking about the the full-blown marijuana that uh, does not that is not separated from the THC? No, no that's why I, I, I want to disabuse you of that. that okay, please. No way marijuana that gets you high that also by the way does these other things. These are uh, these are compounds such as CBD which are organically extracted using what is called supercritical CO2 extraction. Most importantly, how will this help animals? How will this, um, uh, is it? For example, my, I have three formulations right now. Okay. One is called Up and, up and Moving. Uh-huh. One is called uh, Calm and Quiet. And the other one is called Stop the Itch. Okay. The um, Up and Moving is a, formula, a formulation that contains things such as, yes, hemp powder that is derived from the uh, seed, stem, and leaf of, a, of an industrial hemp plant. You know, the things that they use to make rope and dresses and, and put into creams for women. Um, and the uh, CBD is a well-known anti-inflammatory among its other properties. Uh, for example, in my practice, separation anxiety, I have one of the largest pit bull practices in the country. I heard about that. Congratulations on that, by the way. I think that's Thank very you. cool. Um, in my practice, client leaves the house, comes back home, half his wall's been eaten. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. And so the calm and quiet, which you start seeing uh, its action within 20 minutes, does exactly that. It's great for uh, dogs that are either traveling in a car or going in an air, small uh, dogs that are going in airplanes with their owners. I've had incredibly uh, successful results with things like that. So how is it administered? Uh, is it in pill, capsule, it's, it's chews? It's administered as a highly palatable powder that you can either, you know, throw into some peanut butter and make a ball, you know, make a treat out of it, or you put it right on the food. And uh, it's highly palatable. We did our initial palatability study with 50 dogs, and 49 of them loved it. And one was an idiot, so he doesn't count. <laughs> so so uh, I, I, I really need for you to understand that I am not using medical marijuana. We are using, number one, it's derived from hemp, which is different than marijuana. It sounds like hemp. you spend a lot of time defending this. Well, because you keep, I kept hearing you talk about marijuana for dogs, okay? And this is not marijuana. Okay. Okay, and it's very important for you to understand the difference, and it's sort of what my mission is over the next few years to train and teach about the medical properties of the cannabinoids that are found in the marijuana plant. Um, so this can be what is important to me. No, none of this stuff gets them high. So this and is obviously that's the first question that everybody asks me. Well, it's it's actually on your sheet here of questions to ask you, so that might be why. But that being said, <laughs> I understand the difference. Thank you for for clarifying that. So this is legal. It can be shipped all over the country. Correct. It has to be derived from industrial hemp grown outside of the United States and extracted. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> The cannabidiol uh, extracted outside of the United States. So, in other words, I am employing the good people of Sweden, Spain, and Canada, and not the good people in Kentucky. Dr. Stephen Katz, the website is uh, therabis.com. That's yep. T-H-E-R-A-B-I-S.com if you want to learn more about that. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. I got a quick question for you, Dr. Debbie. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start pet sitting some cats, and she told me that they had feline herpes, and she's uh-huh. given me some things to do. My question is, uh, what kind of precautions should I take when I come back home to my cats? Is this contagious? Is should I just wash my hands, my clothing? Is it? Mm-hmm. Do they have to be in an outbreak before? That's a good question. It, it really is, and I would, I would say usually it's by close contact, but it certainly has the potential if you get like respiratory secretions on you that you could bring it home. Um, yeah, so for me, if I would have, probably if they have oozy eyes. For you, my you lap. would probably what? Yeah. I would do a complete clothing change, clothing change. <laughs> myself. I would, because I when I had cats, I actually brought a respiratory virus home to my cats, um, my business clothes, and um, you know it, it wasn't a big deal, and uh, it wasn't necessarily specifically herpes, but it, it can be something you can bring home. So I would just do a. I got to go there the, twice a day. That's a lot of changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just gloves. You can wear like a. Um, wear a smock or something like that. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of something. Maybe I'll Mm -hmm. grab one of Hal's big shirts or something and just throw it over me. Won't be using my clothing for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on now. Guy shirts are for everything. (laughs) And then I would just leave it in the car. There's a lot worse on it, huh? Yeah, I would just leave it in. I could take it off before I come in the house, leave it in the car, and I can put it back Uh on again when I go back over there in the evening. Yeah, or leave it at their place and just kind of, yeah, 
Yeah, I just I, I, I didn't even know cats could get herpes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, they'll get eye things, they'll get respiratory things. Um, yeah, and they have yeah. drops if their eyes are oozing. And again, I I was just worried. You know, I got to thinking, man, I could I don't want to do that to my cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because it's chronic, it doesn't go away. It just kind of relapses. See, and I think our cats had it before, didn't they? When Boog we... had that big fat lip, that rodent's lip. Is that a mm-hmm. version of herpes? I mean, it could be, but yeah, a rodent ulcer can be allergic type stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I will spray myself down with Lysol, and I mean, what about my <laughs> shoes or things? Yeah, I mean, you could either switch shoes, leave a pair down there, and just change out. You know, just uh, yeah. okay. I think you get without, the point. You, without I having know. to do total decon, you know, you can just kind of leave some things there that you're only going to purpose for that, and then when you're done, then you bring them you know, home, disinfect them, wash them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they would go straight to the garage for the washer. Mm-hmm. There you go. In the house. There's a little tip for you pet sitters out yeah, there. Yeah, you got to be careful. You just you don't you know you don't want to bring stuff home to your pets. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. Thanks. I'm okay. going to make sure I'm very very careful. Does anybody else have any questions before we go? <laughs> <laughs> We love having Dr. Debbie here. That's Yay. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. A Dr. Debbie White. We never yes. say white, but... I. Want people no. to know that you, you. She does have a last name. She does have a last name. She, uh, you know, a lot of these vets, they, uh, they go by the first names. And you know what's funny is my actual doctors, my doctors, they'll never do that. That would be, if I even called them by their first name, I probably. It's a funny thing. I, kn- I was offended by it when I first ended practice when people would call me my first name. And you know, I think putting Debbie and doctor together is actually is kind of a. It's catchy. It's a friendly term, it is. and still recognizing you're a veterinarian. You're, you've earned a, a doctorate, you know. So I think it's, I think it's great. It's a great combination of both. What do you think about pot or the uh, the derivatives of pot for keeping quiet and calm and itch and uh, muscle and joint problems? Well, I think this this is a very interesting topic, and a lot of people in the medical world, world human and or veterinary, recognize there are beneficial compounds coming out of the marijuana plant. The problem really is that, and he he alluded to that, he can't, you know, we can't have this produced in the U.S. because it's not allowed at this time. Uh, a veterinarian can't prescribe medicinal marijuana or cannabinoids for a dog um, for fear of losing their license. Um, it is, it's a, a schedule of drug we are not permitted to pre- prescribe. So it really has to become something through regulation. And he, he obviously has been very passionate about that in trying to maybe make some changes so that it can be considered. Because we want to do quality studies. We want to do things where we can actually measure the milligrams of something and not just put it in a nutraceutical and say it's in there, it's going to have a benefit. We want yeah. to measure that. And I think that's, it's really got to change the whole, um, you know, system in the U.S. to have that accepted and studied in a formulated way. I think they'll get there, but right now I'm not ready to test it on my dog. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree. I'd like to see some work done. Uh, yeah. A little more. Well, we certainly appreciate Dr. Katz coming on and telling us his side of the story, and time will tell. But I think they'll get there. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. 
Time to hang with Doc Halligan once again. And I got to tell you, the big controversy around here is whether to flush or not to flush. Now, I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about oh, the no. bathrooms here at uh, the Animal Radio Studio. Not the human waste. Not, not the, the human waste. Uh, I'm talking about kitty litter because, you know, there's a lot of kitty litters out there that uh, they say they're flushable. And I'll tell you, the reason I don't flush my kitty litter down the toilet is really pretty simple is that it would clog it up. Yeah, I've never done it. I know a lot of the litters that are out there that I've seen say you can, but I've never done it. But there's more to it than just that, more than just clogging it up. Doc, what's it all about? Yes, you're absolutely right. Septic systems were not designed to break down cat feces or litter. So if you do that, you are going to have a hefty plumbing bill. Yep. And the plumbers are just, you know, frustrated because they can't believe people actually do that. So yet you're right. You don't want to flush for that reason. But there's a, even a more important reason that people don't realize. When you're flushing cat feces down the toilet, some cats will have a protozoan in their feces called toxoplasma. And, oh, I've uh, heard about that. It, toxoplasmosis? Toxoplasmosis is a disease that you get from, oh, okay. from a toxoplasma gondii, which is the parasite, if you will, that is in, that's present like an undercooked, uh, meat in, uh, unpasteurized milk in the soil. Well, sometimes cats can be afflicted with this and they'll be shedding it in their stool. So if that happens to happen and it, then it gets into the ocean, what happens is it sinks down to the bottom and the little crabs and anchovies, everything, the bottom feeders eat that. And then the sea lions eat that and they will, they can actually die from this parasite. And wow. there's research that shows that in California, 17% of the dead otters examined by the Department of Fish and Game, the cause of death was this parasite. So sea otters are particularly sensitive to toxoplasma. Okay, so let me get this straight. If we flush our kitty litter down the toilet, not only do we have to deal with the plumber and all of that, uh, but Mm -hmm. we could actually be killing uh, sea otters and marine wildlife, is what you're saying. 100%, yes. And in fact, California actually discourages the flushing of used cat litter. And they have uh, legislation now that requires um, labeling on all flushable cat litter to warn consumers about the danger of flushing. So they'll be in, like, fine print on the packaging of litter that says it's okay to flush. If you look, it'll say that the state of California prohibits it. Wow, or I didn't know that. against that. The best thing to do, Hal, yes. is to take it, and in a um, biodegradable bag and put it in the trash, and then it will go into the landfills. And, you know, that's the safest place for the kitty litter. Like in the wild, it would get buried up, right? Yep. In the dirt. So I would suspect, yes. That's what, you know, if a cat was looking to take a poop somewhere, they would do it in the dirt, and then they would cover it up, and then Mother Nature would, you know. Take care of it from there, compost it from there. Take care of it. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of these litters that try to make it seem like that's so bad for the environment when it's exact opposite. You know, flushing is really bad for the environment, but just putting it in a biodegradable paper bag, not the plastic, but paper, and then just putting it in the trash, it'll end up going through the normal waste management, which is the way it should be. That's good to know. Not a lot of yeah. people talk about how we should get rid yeah. of our waste, and that's so important to know. Yeah, don't flush it down the toilet. 
Uh, maybe you, you live in a house where the, the plumbing is awesome and you can do that kind of stuff. But there's another reason not to do that there. So I'm going to put all this information because there's a lot of numbers here. There's a little bit of research behind this. I'm going to put this information mm-hmm. up over at the website at AnimalRadio.com. And, of course, you can learn more over at LucyPetProducts.com. Absolutely. There's a lot of information on our website now, especially under Cats Incredible. We have tons of information to educate people on kitties. Doc Halligan, thanks so much for joining us again. All right, thanks for having me. Okay, it's another beautiful day outside, so we're going to get on out, take the animals on out for a walk. We encourage you to do the same. Uh, before we go, I want to thank Dr. Stephen Katz for coming on the show, as well as Doc Halligan telling us where to put our poop. And I also want to tell you that if you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, our very own Dr. Debbie has a great read, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And their Kindle books over at Amazon.com. And we have links from AnimalRadio.com. Is that it? Ready to go? Let's go. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. This is Animal Radio Network.